3: if you
5: dare.
0: presented by at&t connecting changes
4: everything
1: you're listening to fox sports radio. Radio. radio
4: primed and steep like perfect cold brew welcome in jason martin show fox sports radio my name happens to be guess what jason martin how about them apples you can find me on twitter at jmartradio. radio the crew eric roberts chris perfett fenley's off which means the, th- the uh, thesaurus must be back on the Sherman Oaks shelf. But Ralph Irvin's in. He's a wordsmith in his own right. Glad to have you with us wherever you happen to be. Hope your family's healthy. Hope you're well. Hope everything's going good. 2020 just keeps rolling right along. October, almost midway. We're getting there, folks. We're getting there. The story of the week. In sports, is kind of where I want to start tonight. There's a lot happening, of course. The NBA Finals continues because Jimmy Butler just wouldn't let it go. So, at least we're going to get one more game out of that. Baseball continuing to roll right along, and it's been fun. College football was insane on Saturday. NFL schedule is certainly going to look a little bit different over the next three days. And actually, that is where I want to start because... Just as we talked last week, I said I was kind of in the epicenter of what was happening off the field that was keeping teams or at least one or two off the field. And then it continued all week long for the local team here in Nashville where I do the show out of the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, by the way, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com. For a free rate quote, the Tennessee Titans had 23 names added to the COVID list over about an eight to 10 day span. And there was a lull there where it looked like, hey, they're going to get back in the facility and then boom, more positive tests. And then, okay, now the Buffalo game is in jeopardy after the Steelers game was moved to October 25th, rearranging bye weeks for Pittsburgh and for Tennessee. Much to the chagrin of some of the Steelers players and the fans because, well, everybody has to find something to be upset about. Taking a buy early for a player, I can understand. And then it just kept on going for the Titans and you, around the country, you guys that don't live here, I wonder how you have viewed this and how you've watched it. I've had to cover it. As it has broken every morning on my daily morning show on Fox Sports Radio affiliate WGFX FM 104.5 The Zone, we're on 6 to 9 local time. And somewhere around between 7 and 8.15 every day, we were finding out, boom, another guy added to the list. Another two added to the list. Now the game's really in jeopardy for the Bills. Now there's punishment on the horizon here. And it's really that part of the story that's been fascinating. The positive tests have just been saddening. Now, over the last two days, all negative, full steam ahead to a Tuesday night matchup between two undefeated football teams, Tennessee and Buffalo, in Nashville, Tuesday night on CBS. I think we're all going to be just fine tuning into that game on Tuesday, assuming it happens. And I say assuming because we did have two days in a row of good tests, and then it went back up south for the Titans after that and everything started over again. They were back in their facility on Saturday afternoon and they're going to continue to be tested and things have to continue to come up roses. There was a lot of speculation. There were a lot of unnamed sources and there was a lot of conjecture about what was going to happen to the Tennessee Titans, and sitting here watching it and having to analyze it for my living, it was frustrating to me how the NFL seemed not hesitant but quick, in fact, to try and label this a you problem, not a them problem. Whatever the Titans did or did not do, the league did them no favors along the way. The messaging, the tone of the messaging counts. When they come out and they say things like they're investigating and if they find something, there's going to be harsh punishment. Like That can be said in in one way where it is balanced and one way where it is accusatory. And in this case, it felt prosecutorial to me. Because no one knew what had happened and what hadn't happened. That's why an investigation was going on. If there's going to be discipline, we understand that. If the Titans did not follow protocol. But the league didn't say, hey, we have no real reason to believe that one of our organizations, in this case, the Tennessee Titans organization, did anything untoward here. We have no reason to believe that they did anything wrong. We understand this is a virus. A lot of us are still trying to figure out exactly how to live in this age. We're all new to this. We're just three weeks into the season. We don't know. We're going to go investigate so that we can strengthen our protocols and figure out what might have gone wrong here. And hey, if it turns out that the Tennessee Titans did something willfully, then we will address that at that point in time. But as of right now, we don't know enough to comment further. That right there is the way you talk. That's the way you talk to protect organizations underneath your umbrella. What you don't do is continually leak information that the NFL and the NFLPA are in Nashville investigating and studying tape and all of this stuff without that first part about the caveat where, hey, we have no reason to believe they did anything wrong here. The NFL never said anything like that at any point in time. Nobody that spoke for the league said that. And as a result, no reporters reported it like that. It was all, hey, they're ready to throw the book at this NFL organization. This is unreal to me because the NFL, we've always heard, has been protect the shield. And we get that. Look, what's Apple going to do? It's going to protect Apple. That's what Tim Cook is going to do. That's what Steve Jobs was going to do. What's Bill Gates going to do? He's going to protect Microsoft. He and Steve Ballmer and whatever the company is, they're going to protect their business interest. Ask Jason McCourty of the Patriots who said, without saying it, he said we shouldn't be playing right now in the NFL. All their protocols are designed to do is make sure we can get through the season. Well, duh, Jason. They're looking out for their business interests. You're telling me they care more about money than they do your health and safety? You don't say. Just look at CTE just as one of a myriad of examples to indicate that this is not news at all. But the league is nothing without the organizations that make it up. The NFL is nothing without the 32 groups across this country that comprise its franchises. Wouldn't it be better not to throw one of those 32 organizations under the bus when you don't really know just yet what's going on? Or if you're not willing or ready to show your work yet, why set that stage? They still haven't shown their work. Local reporters in Nashville uncovered the private workout. That Ryan Tannehill set up for the offense at a local high school, a private school, where there was a relationship between the head coach and that school and the Titans. That wasn't uncovered nationally, that was uncovered locally. Protocols and tape footage and stuff, we started to hear a little bit about that, but we still have not seen the NFL show their work yet. And the reason I'm spending the first, you know, 15 minutes or so of this program on the national airwaves talking about the local team is because it ain't just going to happen here, folks, wherever it is that you happen to live, whatever your team, this can happen to you. Were the Titans doing something wrong? It appears to me as if yes, they were what I'm not so sure. That workout in terms of when they were told they couldn't do something, when the memo came out, when the protocols changed, when the coach told the players, all of this information seems to still be sort of up in the air. At, at worst, there's a loophole here. But when you have to find a loophole, you're probably doing something pretty close to stupid. When they had this workout, they thought they were playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. The game had not been postponed. It had not been canceled. They could not meet at the facility. Now, common sense tells me if somebody says, okay, you guys should not be together practicing right now. We're closing the facility. Go home. That doesn't mean we're going to go run out to the park together and all engage in the same thing that we would have been doing at our practice facility. Common sense tells me that means the league doesn't want us together at all because they're shutting down our facility. But if they didn't say that directly, or if there was a communication breakdown somewhere, then the NFL is going to have to show some kind of work to explain what the punishment is once they finally reveal. A lot of people thought it was coming on Friday as part of a news dump. I know there were national people that said other executives in the National Football League were speculating that what they thought and what they were guessing the punishments might be for the Tennessee Titans were a first-round draft pick gone, head coach Mike Vrabel and general manager John Robinson suspended for the entire season, and a $10 million fine. The largest fine ever given in the NFL was Bounty Gate, and it was half of $1 million. So why would these punishments be on the table? I mean, forfeit was even discussed at one point early in the week, and then you realized, okay, well, they're not going to do that because if they forfeit one game, they've got to forfeit two, right? Because if you're the Steelers and you're looking at the Bills and you're all in all three of these teams, the Titans, the Bills, the Steelers are all definitely in playoff positioning in the AFC. It's going to be about seeding and all of that stuff. All three of those teams probably win their divisions. Maybe Baltimore wins. Baltimore or Pittsburgh obviously is going to win that division. No offense to Cleveland. They're playing better, but I still don't think they're on the class of those other two teams. Indianapolis could certainly win the South, but I think Tennessee's the strongest team. And Buffalo is the best team in the AFC East, with all due respect to the Patriots. So how do you explain to Pittsburgh, yeah, you've still got to play this really good football team on the 25th when they probably have everybody back, uh, but the Bills are just going to go ahead and get that forfeit W. Like That that was never going to work. It was never going to work. But why? Why would the NFL, why would these kinds of things be suggested by people uh, in franchises in this league? Why would those even be a guess of one executive in the NFL? Why would that be out there? The reason is because if the season goes down the drain, $9 billion, with a B, billion like Paul Giamatti, billion like Damian Lewis, billion dollars is lost. The NFL matters so very much. And the league wants every one of these other 31 organizations to be petrified of this happening to them. And the league wants the public, many of whom are still panicked or very concerned about COVID 19. The NFL wants them to believe, true or not, hey, our protocols work, these knuckleheads broke it, and we slammed them. We threw the book at them, we powerbombed them off the top rope through a flaming table in Japan. They want every organization to get in line and do nothing outside the boundaries of the protocols. You're seeing a couple positive tests pop up. I think it was a couple of teams, an assistant with Kansas City and a practice squad player with the Bears on Saturday. We already had the backup quarterback, scout team quarterback, the one that was actually playing Cam Newton in the run-up to Chiefs Patriots. He came down with it. Cam came down with it. Stephon Gilmore came down with it. There was a report of a Jets player on Friday that came down with it. We had the Saints story happening as we were on the air a week ago. This ain't over. I hope it's over for the Tennessee Titans, and honestly, I hope that there's not another positive test anywhere in the league, because we just want to see football games be played. But make no mistake, the league wants to separate itself and distance itself from any organization that might make it possible that protocols aren't going to be enough and add to criticism coming external Of the football landscape. That becomes your problem. And that's why the Tennessee Titans are kind of caught in this. They're going to be the example potentially. That the NFL is going to use to scare your team. Whoever you are. Wherever you are. And I appreciate you listening to the program. If you're a Raiders fan. You also had a test pop up. I'm a Broncos fan. I don't want to see that happen. But whoever your team is. It's only, it's only going to take another couple of outbreaks like this one, and I don't know that we'll have another one. I hope we won't. It's only going to take a couple more of these to potentially cost you an NFL season because of the reaction to any positive test in the league. College, 25 guys can come down with it. And if it's a small school, they'll cancel it. If it's a bigger school, those guys just won't travel and they'll still play the game. But with the NFL, two guys drop and that's enough to cancel a football game in some cases, it seems like. Or almost. At least get you close. Half a dozen was enough to cancel Steelers-Titans. I know that for a fact because I sat here and witnessed it in my own backyard. So this is going to continue to be fluid. It's going to continue to be fascinating. But watch when these punishments come out. If you see them come out and you're like, good lord. How egregious can you be? Like How like, if the NFL, the NFL had better show their work if they're going to take a first-round draft pick and suspend your head coach for the year. My prediction is neither one of those two things is going to happen. A fine is not going to seem like enough. $10 million is a huge amount of money. It is. I'd say there's a fine and there's something else. But if you do a fine and like a fifth-round draft pick, is that going to be enough to dissuade other teams? The key here is the Titans being the example to scare the other 31 teams into being so rigid with the protocols that it's not fun to come to work anymore. Because the NFL is terrified of the optics if this kind of thing continues. Because as McCordy said, their protocols are in place to get the season played. He's right. They're doing, as the NFL, what they're supposed to do from a business standpoint. But if that's, that's their goal, which we know that it is, then you can understand what they're doing right now. I don't think it's right, but in the words of Chris Rock, I do understand. Eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox how you reach the program. That's nine nine I'm on Twitter at Radio, and we're back in five minutes on Fox Sports Radio. There
0: are some things that are too good to keep a secret.
4: Welcome back, Fox Sports Radio Studios, brought to you by Geico fell on Black Days. We're talking about Mississippi State. Two points. Yeah, um, things have changed just a little bit, haven't they? What we found out is, look, I told you this. I don't want to toot my own horn. But I told you, just don't put too much stock into what you see from week to week in college football. With everything that's happening in 2020, with all the weirdness going on in all these programs, odd numbers of practices, guys missing, guys opting out, all of this just craziness was going to make for craziness this season in college football. So Mississippi State goes out and beats LSU in the first week of the season, and K.J. Costello goes for 623 yards, I believe it was, an SEC record. And Everybody's like, boy, you thought the air raid wasn't going to work in the SEC. I'm not saying that it's not. I am saying that since that point in time, Mississippi State has lost to Arkansas, who before that had lost 20 consecutive SEC games. And then scored two on Kentucky on Saturday, losing 24-2. to And KJ Costello, instead of throwing for 623, threw for 232. And they lost. So what do we know out of that? Well, again, we don't know much. But I can tell you LSU is not very good, especially defensively. I don't even have to be the one to tell you that. Coach O can tell you that, and did after the game. Said it was embarrassing. And yeah, Coach, it is pretty embarrassing when I see a receiver from Missouri get open down the field. So open, in fact, that even on widescreen, there is not a member of your defense to be found anywhere. This is a Missouri team that last week looked pretty outclassed against a Tennessee team that got bludgeoned to death. Had negative rushing yards against Georgia on Saturday. So LSU, who gave up a record number of passing yards to a guy in his first start in an SEC uniform for Mike Leach's Mississippi State team, then turned around and gave up 45 in a loss In a game that had to be moved due to Hurricane Delta. Gave up 45 to Missouri. And a guy in his first start. LSU is 17th in the country, but they're not. Brennan played pretty well. The quarterback had 430 yards. Didn't matter. Defense is putrid. I think we need in college sports to stop referring to programs as defending champions, especially when they lose their quarterback. This team maybe doesn't finish fourth in the SEC West last year. They lost everybody. They had people, certainly, that went into the NFL, a ton of them, but they also had a couple of guys that are planning to go to the NFL and said, nah, I'm not going to play this year. COVID and everything else, there's just no reason. Jamar Chase being one of them. So that's one instance, right? One thing I do think we can say at this point, I don't want to jump to any kind of conclusions about the college football season whatsoever, but I think we can, we can say and feel pretty good about this one take. LSU's defense stinks. They can stop no one. They might lose five or six games this year out of ten after being a defending national champion. Life comes at you fast. What else did we find out? Well, we found out, I think, that the Big 12 is now not going to have a representative in the college football playoff. The worst possible thing that could have happened to that conference was Texas losing. Because at least Texas could have still been a one-loss team if they had found a way to beat Oklahoma, who tried to hand it to them two or three different times including with that missed field goal, that chip shot, and I think it was the third overtime. But still, Spencer Rattler and the guys end up winning it in four overtimes over Texas, 53-45. to So OU lost back-to-back games to Kansas State and Iowa State, and Texas has now lost to TCU and Oklahoma. Yeah, that's probably not going to be good enough maybe Oklahoma State is the team we need to be watching right now because we don't need to be watching either the Longhorns or the Sooners going forward. When you lose two this year, that's probably going to doom you. Now, I had said for a while, you know, I'm not sure anybody gets through undefeated. Clemson's probably getting through undefeated. I didn't think Miami was that good. Like when I saw them as number seven, I didn't see them as number seven. I felt like Clemson was world's better than they were and beat them 42-17 to on Saturday night. Clemson, North Carolina, who put up 56 against Virginia Tech, that could be interesting if that turned out to be a matchup in the championship game. Virginia Tech's always decent. But generally speaking, Clemson should run the table. When you look at their schedule and you look at their talent, that's the one that you can just easily kind of start to pencil in. What do they have left? Georgia Tech, Syracuse, Boston College, Notre Dame, who actually made Florida State look competent. Then they play Florida State, Pitt, and Vatex. So they don't even have North Carolina unless that's the championship game matchup. Right now, Carolina, Mac Brown's Carolina team 3-0 and overall. Clemson 4-0. And yeah, Notre Dame's undefeated, but that was not. I mean, they won 42 to 26, which seems impressive, except FSU has been so bad thus far this season. One and three. Listen to this. They lost to Georgia Tech 16-13. Miami beat them by 42. They came back to beat Jacksonville State 41-24. At one point, they were trailing by multiple touchdowns in that game, and then they got beat by Notre Dame by 16. Not a particularly good football team, and Notre Dame struggled with them, so I hesitate to get too excited about the Irish. Clemson, I feel like we know, and knew going in, they're going to be there in the end. Big Ten hasn't started playing yet, so I don't know what we know there. But I know watching social media before I finally said, okay, we're done here for the rest of the weekend. After fulfilling my obligation and commenting on the Tennessee game. Is that people are like, hey, the SEC's pretty average outside of whatever, Alabama. All you're seeing, ladies and gentlemen, is the SEC playing itself. This is the whole problem with this season is how do you judge conferences when they're playing no common opponents? Does the Big 12 suck, or are some of these teams better than we thought, and maybe the top's not as good? SEC teams, a lot of them have real good records right now because they wouldn't have played anybody yet. Big 10's going to come in and play conference only. Is a Big 10 good? We're going to find out, but we're still going to have to kind of make an eye test and say, well, we think... Michigan State's okay. We think Nebraska's okay. Like, I'm just throwing out examples. I'm not saying that's what I'm predicting is going to happen. We know Ohio State, because of the talent, what they're bringing back, what Justin Fields means, and what Ryan Day's going to put on the field. We know they're good when they start playing. But Penn State, Penn State loses in division a couple of times every year, and Penn State's in most people's top five to seven teams right now, but we don't know. It's fun to watch all of this, but what a glorious mess all of it is at the same time. So if you wanted me to tell you things I know, I know Clemson's really good. I know LSU's defense is one of the worst I've seen in a long, long time, and Florida's is right up there. And I know the Big 12 is screwed. Because we don't have an 18 playoff. And I already believe the Pac-12 is screwed. They haven't gotten a team into the college football playoff since I think it was Washington in 2017. They're starting later than everybody else. They're going to play a very limited number of games. I just don't see it happening. So those are some of the things that we're starting to learn. But again, I caution you. Nothing that you see should surprise you. Not this year. Alabama gave up 48 points to Lane Kiffin. But Lane Kiffin and the way he allows his offense to be a mix of other guys' styles. We saw it work at FAU. He's going to score a lot of points, but his defense just simply doesn't have the talent yet. So they gave up 63 and 5 touchdowns to Najee Harris. And Alabama... Still ends up winning that game by 15. But gave up 48 in the process. Texas A&M... Look at Texas A&M. Texas A&M beat Florida, who was top five, number four in the country. Texas A&M almost got beat by Vanderbilt two weeks ago and got drubbed by Alabama last week. So what do we know? We know college football is a crapshoot, and if you bet on it, you have lost your mind. Let's go to Ralph Fervin. Let's find out what happened in the wacky world
5: of sports on Saturday. Ralph, how are you? I am good, but, you know, there might be a sure bet in college football. It's called Clemson. After a 42-27 dismissal of number 7 Miami, they uh, just keep cruising in uh, ACC conference play, so... They might be that one team that's the anomaly. Number two, Alabama could not be stopped by Ole Miss. 63-48, they dust the Rebels. That said, they still gave out 48 points. Nick Saban afterwards thought that maybe Lane Kiffin was stealing their signals. Don't know about that. Maybe mm. the defense is just not that great against... Mm some offenses who knows but that said Saban now 21 to zero against his former assistants uh next up for the crimson tide will be georgia the number three bulldogs you mentioned it thumped tennessee 44 21 georgia ran for 193 yards gave up minus one so that's a uh, good plus minus the yeah. rushing totals <laughs>
4: Yeah, they've given up 115 yards, Ralph, this season in three games against SEC teams. They've yeah. given
5: up 115 total rushing yards this year. That, that's that's usually going to win games. No, that's going to be uh, that's going to be a heck of a matchup with that defense against a uh, Alabama team yep. that couldn't be stopped this week, although. Granted, it was Ole Miss who was like yeah. a swinging gate. Uh, number 21, Texas AM gets their first win against a top five opponent at home since 2002. And that was back when they were in the Big 12. Uh, they beat number four, Florida, 41 at 38 on a field goal in the last play of the game. But uh, now uh, the Gators want the, the head coach, Mullen, is saying we want a full swamp for their LSU game. Yeah. Uh, And the university is saying, we're going to follow a University of Florida safety protocols in this one. So (laughs) they're kind of throwing it all out after uh, losing today in uh, a tough environment in Kyle Field. Number five, Notre Dame, no problem with Florida State. Uh, They win 42-26. Other upsets, you mentioned Missouri taking out number 17, LSU. 45-41 in Oklahoma in four overtimes, getting by number 22, Texas. 5345. We're making our way towards the French Open. Coming up later today, it will be number one, Novak Djokovic against number two, Rafael Nadal. And in the NFL, the Jets announced that they do in fact have no players or staff testing positive for COVID-19. They're ready to take on Arizona as scheduled. They also activated running back Le'Veon Bell for today. We'll send it back now to Jason Martin.
4: Yep, well, that's positive news. The other the problem that's not real positive for Jets fans is they actually are going to play football. That's usually not good uh, if you're a Jets fan based on what we've seen. Welcome back, Fox Sports Radio Studios. We're brought to you by Geico. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Yeah, I told a joke on Twitter on Friday at jmar Radio. Obviously not trying to make light of the virus situation, but still trying to just bring some levity to the world a little bit. And I just said if you're somebody with the Jets or just a functioning human being, which would you rather have COVID nineteen or gace twenty? You hesitated for a second, didn't you? You may you may have still said gase twenty. But you hesitated before you got there. And I bet you there are some of you, shame on you, that said you would rather have COVID-19. Because with COVID-19, you might still be able to win a football game. I did not think Bill O'Brien was going to be the first head coach to lose his job this year. I thought we were staring down Adam Gase versus Dan Quinn in the octagon. And out of nowhere, Bill O'Brien... I think it's illegal, but came off the top of the cage with a flying elbow drop. Took the points demerit and then got canned. And then you hear the story of J.J. Watt and the players sort of leading a revolt. How about the Texans? Over the last two weeks, J.J. Watt just kind of leading the charge for the locker room to get Bill O'Brien ousted. And the locker room saying, no, we don't want Earl Thomas. That story came out. Texans were ready to bring him in. The locker room was like, nah, uh uh-uh, not happening. Same thing Baltimore said. They were like, let's get him out of here. Man, has it gone south for Earl Thomas since the middle finger. Since that went down in Seattle, it has been an issue. However, I have heard from some people in the league that this is kind of par for the course for Earl. That he's a little bit difficult to deal with. And that made me immediately start to think about that Seth Wickersham article from a couple years ago about the Seahawks where the defense started chirping a lot because they felt like Pete Carroll and ownership were giving special treatment to Russell Wilson when he was out there throwing 100 yards a game and the defense felt like they were the only reason that the Seahawks were winning games and that Wilson was getting all the credit for it. And when you hear that story, and you know, it was unnamed guys, I think, for the most part, that were commenting to Wickersham for this article, and then you hear about Earl Thomas in Baltimore saying, get him out of our locker room, and Houston saying, we don't want him in our locker room. And we know Earl Thomas has talent. So what does that mean? Probably means he's one of those those guys in Seattle that was angry at Russell Wilson. Just going to go ahead and say a hunch of mine. I'm on Twitter at Jmart Radio. When we come back, finally got a chance to check out a new television series, sports related. Uh, well worth your time in 2020. Gives you a good laugh. I'll tell you what it is in five minutes on Fox Sports Radio.
3: This is
5: it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge.
4: What's up? Hope you're well. My name is Jason Martin. Name on the door when you walk in. Jason Martin Show. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. That's where we emanate from. The crew's out in Los Angeles. Sherman Oaks to be exact. I won't give you the exact address, even though I'm sure you could bring them donuts. They'd appreciate it. I'll let you guys know I would bring donuts and I would definitely bring coffee, cold brew, everything uh, if I did not live thousands of miles away. But maybe some way I can get someone to deliver it in the midst of the show. I don't know how to make it happen, but I would make it happen. We'll this is me it. excusing my lack of hospitality to a crew that I care for.
3: We'll have to figure out how to do some exchange sometime because now you've got me brewing my own cold brew. So I'll have to pr- right. give you some of my cold brew. i have to try some of yours. Just, uh, yeah, we'll figure it out.
4: That's right. I've got people. Look, man, the cult is growing, ladies and gentlemen. There's room for you on the coffee obsession bandwagon That's all I'm going to say. Another show uh, or another thing I told you right before the break. Um, I haven't watched new as much TV lately as I have used or I am used to. Uh, certainly morning radio every day. Actually, there hasn't been a day I haven't had a show, including weekends in the last month. But. You know, getting married and just having other responsibilities and just not doing as much of it. Haven't been writing as much because we haven't been going to the movie theaters in months to cover that stuff. So I haven't caught up on stuff. I'm watching Bleep's Creek a little bit now for the first time. But another show that, look, I honestly just didn't think much of it when it popped on the scene. Then I realized Bill Lawrence is actually the co-creator of it. That put it on my radar but also just people that I follow and like Um and a few that are friends in sports media that suggested, hey man, you should check this out. Ted Lasso. It's a reason to look into Apple TV Plus. Maybe the first reason, maybe the morning show got you, but a lot of the stuff's been kind of a letdown or certainly passable. But if you're a sports fan and you just want to laugh, you want something that's well made. It's an easy watch. Ted Lasso is the answer. Sudeikis is really good on that thing. Really good. And I said Bill Lawrence made me take notice. Here's who Bill Lawrence is, in case you did not know. He created Scrubs, co-created Spin City, Cougar Town, was a longtime writer on Boy Meets World, also helped write uh, Fran Drescher's The Nanny at times. But now, along with Sedakis, he's co-created and adapted Ted Lasso. And Ted Lasso is about a former Wichita State football coach that gets hired to be the new manager of an English Premier League soccer team and has no idea what he's doing as he shows up. And it's got kind of a major league vibe to it because, well, why would he get that job? Well, the same reason that drove the owner of the Cleveland Indians in major league. It's, let's bring the worst person here so we can get this thing to fail. And there's a reason behind it, but I won't spoil that for you. But sedekis is so likable in this role. So funny in this role. So genuine in this role. I can give it real high recommendations. I, I There's only, what, eight or nine episodes, I think, and I've only watched a couple. But I'm looking forward to continuing down this pathway. If you have an Apple TV, you should just check out Apple TV Plus long enough to, to watch through it, if nothing else. But just something when you're not watching sports which thank goodness they're all back so maybe you don't have as much time but but fall TV there's just not quite as much going on Ted Lasso, half hour episodes, make you laugh yeah the language can be a little bit tough but it's not hideous, at least not so far uh, just a positive vibe like you just kind of get a good feeling from it and you feel like you know where it's probably going and it gives you something to root for a little bit but Sudeikis I think is putting, their, putting a performance out there that's, that needs to be seen by more people. So check it out if you can. Ted Lasso gets a high recommendation from me. When we come back, the NFL, Tom Brady, Deshaun Watson with a new lease on life. One hour down, two to go here on the Jason Martin Show. Glad to have you with us. Whether you've been with us for the first 60 or whether or not you're just tuning in now, we appreciate it. My name is Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at radio. We're live in the Fox Sports Radio studios, which are, as always, brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Third hour of the show, we'll break down all of the NFL games that are going to be played over the next one, two, three days, at least as it stands right now, as we do every week in the third hour, and we'll take a look at Uh, what our record was last week. I actually have no idea. I think I did okay, but we'll hold that off for the third hour. We bring in the entire crew and do that. Finley's out, but we might let Irvin fill in for him and actually count against or for his numbers, and maybe that would be a good thing. I'm not uh, 100% sure. Not good was what happened to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Thursday night, losing to the Chicago Bears and that defense with the whole forgetting what down it is for Tom Brady and the timeout and all the stuff that was going into it. You see that meme that was going around like a couple of days ago, before that game, where it was, where it started, and where it is now, or something to that effect, how it started. And I was thinking to myself, you know, where it started was... The tuck rule and beating the Rams, and where it is now is in a, in a Tampa Bay uniform, throwing a pick six in the first game, losing to the Saints, and losing on Thursday night football to the Bears in a game that I'm not even sure that many people, well, you know what, I think it did pretty well, but I didn't hear a lot of people talking about it, in the run-up to it at least. Certainly more exciting than Jets-Broncos was supposed to be. But I don't even want to talk about what Tom did. I want to talk about where Tom is. When you look at where he came from and where he is now, we should have seen this coming. Not that the Bucs can't win games, not that they couldn't make the playoffs. But that this year, because of COVID-19, changing teams was probably not going to be beneficial to a squad. Even when you were taking a step in the right direction by bringing in, yes, aged, but still talented Tom Brady and trying to surround him with some weapons. Now, right now, Tampa Bay is 3-2. and two. And ahead in the NFC South. But largely, the teams that are near the top, the Packers are undefeated. Aaron Rodgers has been there forever. Russell Wilson, Seattle, undefeated. Mahomes. Tannehill is in his second year with a coordinator, and this is the first year it's his job, but he got to know those guys last year. Rivers changed teams. And the Colts are 3-1. Roethlisberger is back, but he's been there forever, undefeated. Lamar Jackson, 3-1. He's been there for a minute. Baker and, and Cleveland, they've beaten up on some bad teams, but they've looked pretty good doing it. They're 3-1. But when you look at the turnover and walking away from something that you've done for a long time, and going into a new situation, there were going to be growing pains. Let me give you an example personally. I'm taking golf lessons right now. Great teacher. Who's actually a radio host in Nashville. Has been for years. uh, On the station that I work for. And it's something I've always wanted to learn, but it is something that just, it, it seemed foreign to me. Like I love the game. I watch it on television. It's one of my favorite sports. As a matter of fact, especially to watch on TV. Outside of football, golf might be it most of the time. But it just, I couldn't make contact with the ball. Now, I'd only played two or three times. And look, a lot of business and what I do and probably what you do too takes place on a golf course. A lot of conversations, a lot of friendships. So it's something I've always wanted to do. And so finally, I'm taking some lessons and really taking it seriously. And things have gone well. I'm in my third lesson and I've progressed to where I I have a routine now. My swing looks like a swing is supposed to look. Without going into too much detail about it, I feel like I'm a little ahead of the game right now. I'm not headed to the PGA, but I'm not going to embarrass myself. At least not off the tee. It's a work in progress, but one of the things that my coach, my instructor, told me was that it's so much easier to work with me because I'm raw, because I'm brand new, because I don't have a bunch of bad habits. When you have somebody that's had a jacked up golf swing for a decade, and then they come in and they say, hey coach, fix me. Then you have to untrain all these bad habits and build it from the ground up after you basically try to erase someone's mind think about how tough that would be if you were going in for a golf lesson in five years you were doing it the one way and it was wrong and you were seeing no benefit from it all your shots were hooking they were slicing stuff's going right just the worst and you couldn't understand why and finally you went and saw somebody like okay well your swing's jacked up let's fix it but the problem is your muscle memory and your brain have done it wrong for so long, it's much harder to untrain you than it would be to train me who doesn't have any habits yet because I just picked up a golf club with, with, with actual feelings of, okay, teach me how to use this. Now look at Tom Brady in the same way. Tom Brady hasn't been in bad habits. He's been in the best habits for nearly two decades In the NFL. And now he just went to a new coach that said, you've been doing it wrong, let's do it a new way. And that doesn't mean that Bruce Arians has literally said that to him. But he's gone to a new place, so he might as well have had to change his golf swing. After two decades of doing it one way, that has led him to six Super Bowls. He goes to Tampa. New personnel everywhere. An offensive line that's not very good. A coach that... If you watched the first couple of games for the Buccaneers, that was Bruce Arians' offense. That was not Tom Brady's offense. That's the same stuff that Bruce Arians has done pretty much everywhere he has been. Tom Brady was not the one making those calls. Tom Brady, having workouts during the offseason because he knew continuity was going to be tough, chemistry was going to be crucial, how could he try to speed up the learning curve? How could he find his way from kindergarten to middle school before the season started? So he did all that he could. And remember, there were reporters that were tisks, tisking him because it was COVID-19 and how dare he. Because he knew that this was going to be tough. Not just because it's the NFL, but because of the situation he left and the situation he was going to. And we should have seen this coming. Can they make the playoffs? Yes. Are they a good team? I don't think so. I think they need more time. Here's the problem. Tom Brady needs time that I don't think he actually is going to be around long enough to see come to fruition. I predicted when he went to Tampa that both he and Bruce Arians would be there two years and both would retire. I also predicted they would not win a Super Bowl, but they'd be a good football team, a playoff team, and I still think they might be a playoff team. When you look at the NFC East, that's going to be a one-team league. When you look at the North, that's probably a two-team league. The West probably a two-team league, but Tampa and New Orleans. Look, the Saints already have the one win, but who knows what? The, who knows if the Saints are good or not? I certainly don't feel very good about having them picked in the Super Bowl in the NFC like I did before the season. But we're only at the quarter pole, right? I mean, we're four games in. The Bucks are five games in. So there's a lot that can still be determined there. I don't think it looks great for the Bucs because I still think the Saints are better and they already have one tiebreaker. If they're able to beat them again, then that's going to be real tough for the Bucks, because I do think two come out of two other divisions. But how long does it take if you're Tom Brady for this thing to gel properly? Maybe you get it done in the second year, but if not, I think you just retire and it's Joe Montana in Kansas City. Tom had a swing that he liked and he's lost that swing because that motion on the tee, that circular motion, keeping your head down, not moving it, all of it changed. Now he's got the yips. Now he's Roy McAvoy just a little bit. I'm not saying he keeps hitting it in the drink. I'm saying that there is enough now that doesn't feel normal or comfortable or right for 12 in that Bucks jersey. There's enough there in the negative column, in the con column to stop him from succeeding to any great degree down there as their quarterback. Anybody that thought they were going to come out of the gates 5-0, and oh, as great as Brady is, just hasn't watched enough football or doesn't understand the analogy that I, I made. And maybe I didn't fully understand it either until this week. When my swing started coming together, But that's because I didn't have a bad one that needed to be trained out that was going to take this entire five or six lessons before we can even start my own swing, because we have to break down the one that's been wrecked or the one that needs to be wrecked because it is wrecked. Tom Brady has gone from the ultimate comfort zone to moving into a new house in a new city and not knowing what to expect. Tom Brady has somehow become Will Smith at the beginning of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Things certainly weren't perfect in West Philadelphia, but that's what he knew. That's where his friends were. That's where Jazz was. That's where his family was. That's where he was BMOC. And now he's out to the Bankses. And it ends up going well for him. But how many seasons did it take for Will to really start to get it? For him and Carlton to become as close as they became. For him to succeed academically and become the kind of man that I'm sure his mother wanted him to be. But certainly Uncle Phil and Aunt Viv demanded he would be. How many seasons did it take to get there? What an instant was it? You saw glimpses of it, but it took a few years. Tom Brady just got to Bel Air. He just told the cab driver, smell you later. The cab just drove off. You see the fuzzy dice hanging and swaying as it drives off. He just met Jeffrey the butler. He's just being shown to his room. How much time do you think Tom Brady has? Notice again, I haven't talked about the mistakes that he made on Thursday night. I haven't talked about any of that. You've heard that ad nauseum probably for the last 24, 48 hours across sports media. I want to look more at where Tom Brady finds himself. and try to put myself in his headspace. How do you think he feels right now, coming from where he came, having the mindset that he got used to having at all times, and now being in Tampa Bay, being called out for not shaking Nick Foles' hand after forgetting what down it was on Thursday night football? Bel Air is a nicer place than Philly, but sometimes there's no place like home. We'll be right back on Fox Sports Radio.
5: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is.
4: Halloween coming soon. But if you want to know what's really scary, it's seeing just how much you could have been saving on car insurance by switching to Geico. Almost as scary as watching your dog growl at the wall and realize he sees something you don't. Get a quote at geico.com. Yeah, my dog Margo sometimes, my wife says she clearly sees ghosts. She stood up last night in the middle of the night and just started barking as if something large had entered the house never really understood that but I guess maybe I need to be a dog in order to understand that I'm sure if you have a dog you have had that experience at some point in your life as well so a lot of Tom Brady there in that first segment <clears throat> didn't know I was going down that Fresh Prince route sometimes it just kind of you, you sometimes you just got to roll with it I want to congratulate Deshaun Watson Not on the money that he received in the offseason, but in a hopeful future. Bill O'Brien did win some games in Houston and he won a bad division. But Bill O'Brien, that that doesn't mean he was a good coach. It means he took advantage of a situation and maybe he wasn't an awful coach, but I kind of thought he was closer to awful than he was great. The decision making and the judgment in which he would be conservative at times he should be aggressive and uber aggressive when he should punt the football away was mind-boggling his constant desire for years to throw to tight ends for three yards on third down and six was infuriating and i still believe that deshaun Watson was playing with a hand tied behind his back a lot of times because of what was coming from the sidelines I thought he was going to leave. I thought maybe he'd go to New England or somebody was going to offer him a ton of money and he was going to go somewhere else and flourish. But no, he signed to stay there and maybe he was loyal. Maybe he just liked the organization better than I thought. But one of the questions that I asked on this very program, right as that deal was signed and I was saying, oh, I'm so happy for him. I love this guy. He has really earned this money and it's a really cool moment with Dabo showing up on the zoom call and his family showing up and just how heartfelt he was talking about this team being loyal to him and how he gets to continue his career there and maybe finish his career there and all it is a wonderful moment. And I said, boy, we're going to find out if money buys happiness and maybe there's more to Deshaun and there is, he's got faith and he's got things that, that are lasting But my point was just basically, well, I hope the money makes him happy in football because I don't know whether or not a championship is in his future. This is a winless football team that maybe gets its first win today with Romeo Cornell as the interim head coach playing against Jacksonville. Lost to a winless Minnesota team last week. Had been beaten, obviously, in every other game this year. And O'Brien is out as general manager, and as coach. Never should have been the general manager, and I think they probably should have moved on from him in the offseason as coach, too, but I know he won a lot of games. Maybe you played politics right in the office, but every indicator that you got from guys that played there wasn't particularly flattering towards Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien is the classic example, ladies and gentlemen, of a college football coach who thought that would work when the dudes in the locker room that he was trying to, quote, motivate, unquote, were making more money than he was. College coaches have a certain mentality. Pro coaches have a certain mentality. One of the reasons why it's tough for a college coach to win in the pros is because they bring the wrong attitude. When the dudes are getting paid, when these are grown men with families of their own, meaning not their parents that were there for him on National Signing Day, but their children and their wives. They're not going to take too kindly to the tough love stuff. Like, you might be able to get away with that if you're Bill Belichick. And I'm not suggesting he does. I'm just saying, if Bill Belichick wants to be a jerk, he can probably get away with that. He has the hardware. But Bill O'Brien doesn't. But notice... O'Brien was decent in college. He's pretty good in college. I think that's exactly where he should go. Now, maybe he becomes a coordinator somewhere, but if it's me, I try to find a good college job and I go back there because then maybe my shtick will actually work. Because in the NFL, it absolutely does not. I wasn't in the locker room, so I never saw it, but all the reports from guys that were there I think Jacoby Jones, I remember him tweeting out about it, just the way that O'Brien would talk to them in the locker room. Demeaning, condescending, all of that. You can be a disciplinarian head coach. You can even probably be seen as, yeah, I don't really want to have a beer with that guy. But in order to survive that way, you'd better be great. Not good, great. One of the reasons why Lincoln Rowley's name keeps coming up for the last few years, other than just his success at Oklahoma, is he kind of feels like the kind of guy that comes in as more of a Sean McVay type. A Matt LaFleur type. Somebody that's not really going to rattle the cage all that much. A Cliff Kingsbury. He can come into the NFL, a little bit of pedigree, because he's won, certainly, in college. This year, maybe not the best example of it, but, you know. But you don't think that you're going to get the same stories about Lincoln Riley that you got about Bill O'Brien. Same thing's true with Dabo. Dabo was linked to the Texans' job almost immediately. He said, I haven't heard anything from the Texans. I have no interest in going there. Smart, Dabo. I wouldn't go either. Dabo is a motivating guy. His coordinators are the ones that call the plays. Dabo is a great college coach. Great. Not good. Maybe not even great. Iconic. They'll build a statue for him in Clemson if they don't rename the entire school after him. He should not leave there until he is forced out by death. Literally. like If they will let him coach until he's 90, he should do it. But you could almost see it working for him in the NFL because, again, gets good coordinators. He runs the ship and people like being around him. He's a positive influence. Creates the right kind of environment to thrive. I think sometimes we underrate environment. Environment counts. I mentioned that talking about the Jaguars. And how at least they look like they're playing for each other now. As opposed to for their own individual stats that are going to get them paid so that they can get the hell out of Jacksonville. And that's not because Marone's a bad coach or Marone's a bad guy. It's because that organization became so selfish, so me-centric. And people don't really like Coughlin. Not that Jacksonville is good. Their record will indicate certainly they are not. But they play hard. And that team had been accused over the past few years of quitting. And they were being accused of that because it's what was happening. They were just, okay, man, we're mentally checked out of this. I don't think they intentionally wanted to lose. You can't do that and be on a football field. You all get hurt doing that. But there was just kind of this... Feeling watching them that they just really didn't want to be out there anymore. That's kind of how I felt about the Boston Celtics last year with Kyrie. They just didn't look like they wanted to be out there anymore. They wanted to like, They looked like they wanted to be anywhere other than on the basketball court. The Jaguars didn't look like they wanted to be on the field. Environment does matter. So looking at Houston, what's the environment been? Obviously, it has sucked. Just go look at Texans players through the years. Just search it on Twitter or search it on Google. Just find some players that you know have Twitter accounts or whatever, and put in O'Brien and see what they said after he was fired, and just see what they've said for years about him. When any story about O'Brien comes up, you'll see two or three players come out and say, "Yep, makes sense. I've seen something very similar happen to me." Ah, That's not what you want. You don't want people talking. talking about you at work like you walk into the cafeteria and there's five or six people that are around a table and all of them are sharing stories and you walk past and you realize they're talking about you and all of them are bad one you can almost explain away five or six okay that that i might be a prick i might be a problem here there might be an issue this gets out of control and then you've got jj watt leading a mutiny basically And just saying, hey, we need this guy gone. We're winless. We're no good. We're not going anywhere. J.J. Watt's actually healthy. And they're not winning. Deshaun Watson's paid. And they can't score points. They let Hopkins go. Because I guess they didn't want to pay him long term. But you see what they are without Hopkins. They have receivers that are a step above what their capabilities actually should be. They don't have a true wide receiver one. And now Deshaun Watson is running for his life. David Johnson has done okay. But it's just, and they paid a ton of money for Laramie Tunsil. And Tunsil is very good. But if you look at what Bill O'Brien did from a management perspective, think about how screwed the Texans are right now. That's why Colin Cowherd did a segment on his show, probably on the same radio station you're listening to right now, this past week, suggesting they trade J.J. Watt. Not because Watt can't play, but because Watt has value and the Texans right now have no money. And they have no assets. They've blown a ton of money. I think their roster this year cost $244 million. One of, if not the highest in the league. They don't have the cap money. A few years ago, they had a ton of cap money, and they've blown it all. And because of some of the moves that they have made, including the DeAndre Hopkins deal and everything else, they don't have a first or second round draft pick this coming season when they might have had a top five pick. They may still have a top five pick, but if they do, it's still going elsewhere. Because of Tunsil, that means it's headed to Miami, I believe. They're screwed. Unless they find a way to trade to get somebody else's pick. They can't go get a top flight wide receiver if that person is coveted by anybody else. They're going to have to pay in order to get back up there to pull that off. So Deshaun Watson took a lot of money and earned every penny of it. And I'm happy for him and his future and his kids and his kids, kids and his kids, 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 kids. kids. But that franchise is in a bad spot. They have a franchise quarterback, they have an oft injured defensive superstar, they have a high paid lineman. But what else? O'Brien left those coffers not exactly full. The cupboard is missing some mugs. You look up and you got one and you're not sure if you had put that one up there after forgetting to put it in the dishwasher. You pull it down and there's like a little bit of sediment in it, maybe a dead fly. You realize, oh, we haven't actually pulled this coffee mug down for about four months. Maybe we need to wash this one before we use it. That's what's happening to the Texans right now. Meanwhile, the Titans are starting to pull away. And the Colts aren't going anywhere either. And Jacksonville is now playing for themselves. And playing as a group that seems to actually like being around one another. Those two teams match up later on today. The Texans and the Jags. The Texans might be able to play free. Might be able to unify around the absence of a nuisance. In this case, their head coach, who I think if he goes back to college will succeed, but whose mentality and attitude was going to wear thin real quick in the NFL when he's, I guess, the way he's talking to guys, condescending, talking down to him, whatever it is that he was doing. And they're looking at him and they're like, dude, we make four times more money than you and we don't respect you. In college, you might be able to pull that off. In the pros, you absolutely will not. Let's go to
5: Ralph Irvin. He can pull it off in college. He can pull it off in the pros, too. Ralph, what's up? Well, one thing's for sure. Davos Sweeney may not be one for the pros, but uh, Trevor Lawrence certainly will be. Rodgers in motion.
4: Fakes it. Going to throw down the middle. Has Allen inside the 10. Breaks a tackle. The five. Touchdown, Davis Allen. His first career touchdown.
5: That's the Clemson Tigers network. Lawrence finished with four touchdowns on the day. Hopefully, he'll be in a better spot than Deshaun Watson come next season. But uh, he might be a Jet, Ralph. As I said, hopefully, he'll be in a better position than Deshaun <laughs> Watson next season because he could also be a Giant. It's true. Yeah. Oh goodness. It's bad, in New York, man. It's really, really bad, in New York. <laughs> but it was a good day in South Carolina as the Tigers did take out number seven Miami, forty-two. 42- 27, number two, Alabama. No problem on offense. They scored at will against Ole Miss. There's a stat out there that says that Ole Miss prevented Alabama from scoring 41 yards. In other words, they scored on every play or every drive except for two, and that was 41 yards that they didn't get. 63-48, they beat Ole Miss. Nick Saban takes out uh, Lane Kiffin, 21-0 against former assistants. They'll take on number three, Georgia, next. Bulldogs, no problem with Tennessee. They win it 44-21 again. Bama, Georgia, next Saturday. Number 21, Texas A&M, a big win over number four, Florida, 41-38. Now, news coming in. From the NFL, Tom Palacero dropping some notes on this NFL Sunday. Falcons will be working out Julio Jones this morning and will determine his status for the game against Carolina. Bengals running back Joe Mixon expected to play against Baltimore. Lamar Jackson expected to go for the Ravens. Washington defensive end Chase Young should be playing this week against the Rams. He missed last week. And Niners receiver Debo Samuels passed through protocols. He was sick during the week, but he will play against Miami. I know who's going to play right now. That's Jason Martin as we send it back.
4: Oh, man, I hope I play better than the Falcons. Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Yeah, when I hear Falcons and Julio Jones, I just think, man, that Cowboys game, that Bears game. And then, well, I mean, you ran into Green Bay and they're just better than you. 0-4, and and Matt Ryan's really good. That is... Look, if O'Brien loses his job, as as I believed he should have, not now, but long ago, I have been... I think I might have felt the same way for just about as long about Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn, who... I'm going to try this joke again. Every time I try this joke on Twitter, I've done it a few times. haven't tried it this year because I've just given up because it's so demoralizing when no one finds it funny. But Dan Quinn looks like what Will Forte would look like if he was playing an NFL head coach in a Saturday Night Live sketch. But I'm pretty sure at this point Will Forte would be more effective than he would. 0-4 Oh, and 4 with Matt Ryan and those weapons. And yeah, they were a little bit banged up last week, but it wasn't going to matter against Green Bay. You're playing against Carolina. First year quarterback there. McCaffrey's still on the shelf. A game you should win. Maybe they finally get off the schneid here and they're 1-4 by the time we join you again a week from now. But I wouldn't put it past the Falcons to find a way to lose that game at home to Carolina today. Atlanta has no business whatsoever being 0-4. They did play Seattle. No shame in losing to them. Dallas has found a way to lose to everybody except you. The Bears have moved away from the quarterback that beat you. You haven't had Murders Row. Like, I can give the Texans a little bit more respect. Like, Minnesota was winless, but they were still okay. The rest of that schedule is just a bear. The football gods hated the Texans this year. Kansas City, Baltimore, Pittsburgh. And they've already canned their coach. What are you doing, Arthur Blank? Like, how can you even continue to watch this? maybe you just don't want to make a change mid-season at this point in time but you need to show your fan base something because you got the wrong guy in that job. I'm not saying Dan Quinn shouldn't have a job in this league, saying he should not have that job in this league. Whether it's coordinator or just a change of scenery or something, it is rotten in the ATL and something needs to be done because Matt Ryan, there's questions now out there, hey, is he a Hall of Famer? I'd say the answer is no right now. Because the biggest claim in his career, the biggest thing that's happened in Matt Ryan's career is losing the Super Bowl up 28-3 against the Patriots. That's the only thing people even think about when they think of Matt Ryan's NFL career. And that right there is a huge indictment on the coaching staff of the Atlanta Falcons. Because... That guy's put up a whole lot of numbers and nobody cares. The only thing we remember is the loss that he really wasn't responsible for. Dan Quinn's got to go. I've talked about Adam Gase, but Dan Quinn has got to go. What are you doing, Atlanta? I know what we're doing. We're taking a break. We're back in five minutes. Jason Martin Show, Fox Sports Radio. There's no
0: distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table.
4: Welcome back. Jason Martin show here on Fox sports radio. We're in the Fox sports radio studios brought to you by Geico. Glad to have you with us, wherever you happen to be. I'm on Twitter at Jmart radio. It's where you can find me. I mentioned this in the first hour of the show, but Jason McCourty of the Patriots said basically the NFL doesn't care. NFL PA doesn't care. Not about us. They care about playing these games, but they don't care about our safety health, all those things. And I said, well, yeah, duh. I mean, they care about money first. They care about playing the games. That's their business. But his example is right, at least to me, because it did not make sense to me that Patriots Chiefs is just going to happen that soon after Cam Newton had tested positive. Not based on the way that they had been acting about the Titans situation, and just the way it seemed like they were reacting to any positive tests up to that point. Now, the Saints-Lions game I thought was going to be canned too because that wasn't a false positive, but nobody else tested positive positive. They went ahead and played the game. It looks like, even though incubation periods 5 to 14 days, it appears like you're out of the woods there. Minnesota didn't get any positive tests, which still just baffles me. That's what leads me to think the Titans had to have done something wrong. They had to have broke some protocols and maybe even done it egregiously because how in the world do they have this outbreak and no one else does? But McCordy points to them flying to play Kansas City. Knowing the incubation period and doing it so soon afterwards. But I'll point to the fact that there were two planes that flew to Kansas City. One that was regular plane and two that was the we were pretty close to Cam Newton plane. And I think there were 20 guys on that plane, 20 people. I don't know if that was all players, or if that was a mixture of players and personnel, probably the latter. They flew them to Kansas City, kept them apart from the rest of the team, and then put them on the field to play. You're going to need to explain that one to me. If you were worried enough that you needed to separate them on the airplane, and I get 15 minutes of contact and all this kind of stuff, and there's not really any risk of Stephon Gilmore and Patrick Mahomes and their little moment in their video or their photo or whatever. But if you were concerned enough that you put them on two different airplanes, what What does it matter if you're then going to have them on the sideline standing there with you the whole time or in the locker room, more importantly, outside? I I don't worry all that much, but indoors, especially in the locker room, in those scenarios, you've got them on a different plane, but then you've got them with the team and you've got them. Presumably at times, at least in some kind of close quarters, that one didn't really make too much sense to me. Here's what McCordy said. If you get a chance to talk to the NFL, the NFLPA, I greatly appreciate you bringing up that point. Meaning letting them play so soon after the positive test to Cam Newton. And letting them know that's something we talk about. We're dealing with it. We're moving forward, and it's obviously in the back of our mind. That's why we're just trying to do everything we can. We're distanced. Even today while we were in, meaning back in the facility, after Belichick had made the decision, hey, out of precaution for three days, we're going to keep this thing closed. We're totally distanced. We all have masks on. We all have the Oakley shields on, and we have a mask on underneath our helmet. We're doing the necessary things to stay as safe as possible. But without a doubt, that's a thought. Same way you guys are sitting there thinking about it like, hey, they're getting on a plane on Monday to go to Kansas City. Those days don't really add up with the incubation period. That was the same question we were asking our union before we headed out there. Now, the McCourties, both of them, as a matter of fact, Devin and Jason, have been two of the more outspoken, kind of, they're not really sure about what's going on in the NFL about this. And they're thoughtful guys. Jason McCourty played here in Nashville for a long, long time. But basically, they're saying the NFL just wants to get these games played, and Chiefs Patriots need to be played, so they were going to play it. The only thing I don't understand is the playing thing. Like, if you're... Following protocols, what what does these guys tested positive, these guys were close to the ones that tested positive, we're going to put them on an airplane, a separate one, but then we're going to let them play in a game. H- how exactly does that work? The Math doesn't exactly add up, does it? Coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio studios, brought to you by Geico, Jason Martin with you. Jason Martin Show, another hour, our final hour. Next segment, we will break down the entire NFL schedule. We do it every single week in the final hour of the show. Everybody is in on it. We have win-loss records, whole deal. Always a lot of fun, so stick around for that. Go to geico.com. Get yourself a free rate quote right now because 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Jimmy Butler got it done in Game 5. 35-point triple-double if you needed him. And the Heat needed all of it. LeBron was great. Anthony Davis was hobbled. Looks like he's going to play. He's probable. Goran Dragic is probably not going to play in game six. I was reading ESPN.com and Brian Winhorst. And the very top headline, if you go there right now, is Jimmy Butler pushing LeBron like this is incredible. And then underneath, Game 5 cemented LeBron James versus Jimmy Butler as an all-time showdown. All-time? Like, it's been good, but there's not really any history here. If they just go ahead and lose tonight in Game 6, and it's over, then it's a 4-2 series win, and it's a footnote at best. I think it might be a little soon to be calling it all time, except that, well, if you're ESPN and ABC, you kind of want people to start paying attention to this thing, and it's going to be tough enough going against the NFL on Sunday. And that's the thing, like, how many of you are that that aren't diehard Lakers fans. How many of you are caught up and intrigued by what's happening right now? I mean, the basketball's been entertaining. It's been fun to watch. But I think for it to be all time, we all need to be captivated by it. And I, I feel like what's happened in the bubble during this back stretch of the postseason has been the exact opposite. And I'm not dogging on either Jimmy Butler or LeBron James here. Like What they've been doing has been a lot of fun to watch. I just don't know how many people are taking note of it. So I'm not really trying to go after Windhorse, who I have a ton of respect for and think does a fantastic job. It's just to call it all time seems like you do that after Game 7. Or at least after Game 6 when there is a Game 7, which I predict there will not be. Matter of fact, I think the Lakers probably win by 20, and this thing comes to a pretty silent halt, and LeBron gets coordinated and gets his championship in his third city, and the never-ending MJ versus LBJ debate heats up on all the television shows you love to loathe. But at least we do have, a, have another game here. And there is a little bit of intrigue behind it just because they should have finished this thing off in five, but Jimmy Butler just wouldn't allow it. Does he have that in him again? Can he play MVP-level basketball two more times in a row and somehow out LeBron? If he does, then it becomes a 30-for-30. 30 30. Just this postseason for the Heat and what has happened with Miami. It becomes a 30-for-30 30 30 because it's not expected. The reason I say it becomes a 30 for 30 is because I would be stunned if it did happen. But I can tell you that one of the reasons we love sports is because Friday was such a great heavyweight fight between those two guys. LeBron and Jimmy Bucket's just going for it. And down the stretch, Butler had an answer each time. Danny Green missed a three. What else is new? A couple free throws and we're done. And Frank Vogel's complaining about a couple calls here and there. But the end game is Lakers Heat game six is a thing that's actually going to happen on your televisions tonight. If you're not just watching football. Tough for the NBA having to deal with the NFL. Tough for anybody having to deal with the NFL. But Jimmy Butler even said after the game, quote, I left it out on the floor. I left it all out on the floor, unquote. He was exhausted because of how hard he had to play for them to eke out a victory over a Lakers team that had a hobbled Anthony Davis. Because LeBron's that good and he's playing all world during this postseason. He's showing that at his best, he's still the best player in the world. And Butler is just giving him all he can, but can he do that enough to win this series? I don't think so. I think it ends tonight. And then I don't think we're talking about an all-time showdown. I think we're talking about Jimmy Butler is a great basketball player. If you didn't already know, he's an all-star basketball player, a great two-way player, and he's got that dog in him that a lot of guys in this era do not. Jimmy Butler doesn't like when you beat him. Jimmy Butler's not out here to make friends, he's out here to win championships or to try to to win basketball games that's why it bristled wrong in Minnesota because those guys I don't know if they didn't have the same passion for it or they just had not been dozened like they were by Butler but Miami's a little bit more tough nosed the Pat Riley built team and it's been a really nice fit it's worked out well. Better than it did in Philadelphia, even. And so now they're in the they're in the NBA finals. They're going to lose, but no one expected them to be here. And they've already equated themselves pretty well. And it's a fun team. Tyler Hero. I saw him get red hot from three and at the free throw line at Kentucky. But, boy, he looks like he might be around in this league for a while, huh? That looks like a great draft pick right now. I'm not saying he's Steph Curry because I would never gloss anybody with that. But he's a guy that might have been slept on by a few teams in the draft who are now like, man, he could have helped us. I'm very interested to see what his career is going to be as we go forward. Miami will go softly tonight and I think be blown out by the Lakers and the night will end with I love LA and whatever celebration for a championship looks like inside a bubble environment without fans or very many people at all in the seats and then probably no parade either because of Virus restrictions and social distancing and public gatherings and all that in the state of California. But the story needs to be, what can the Heat do from here? Because what the NBA needs is for the Miami Heats of the world, the Dallas Mavericks of the world, maybe the Brooklyn Nets of the world, if everything goes right for them next year, everybody's healthy and it works with Steve Nash. They need these teams that have some exciting pieces They need them to win, and they need them to have bright futures. They don't need them to be flash in the pans. They don't need to be the guys that show up, win one major in golf, and then you never hear from them ever again. This Heat team actually needs to build on this. Like, this doesn't need to be a one-and-done. I fear that it is, that it's just been a great run where everything has just meshed beautifully in a very unexpected fashion. And has led to success beyond that franchise's wildest dreams. Although I'm sure Jimmy Butler probably assumed that he would be here, just feels like that's probably his mentality. But the NBA, the NBA could certainly use a Game Seven. Then probably won by the Lakers. But if you can get to Game Seven, then you can make this windhorse comment that this is an all-time showdown, meaning LeBron versus Jimmy Butler. Which I can't go there yet. But if you can get me to seven and it turns into a heavyweight fight, win or lose for Jimmy Butler, yeah, okay, we can start to have the argument and hope that maybe we can get a little bit more of this in the future. Unfortunately, this is the NBA Finals, so LeBron versus Jimmy Butler is going to be harder to pull off because, again, the Heat have to find their way back there. The Lakers will be favorites next year. If not the favorite, they'll be a top two or three favorite, no matter what happens in the offseason. The Heat, I still will just assume are just going to go right on back to, well, they're probably 10th. But I can tell you that this has been more fun to watch. Friday was definitely more fun to watch than I anticipated when that game began. And getting to watch LeBron against insert X player here, and in this case, X player is just... Balling out and seems to take it personal just that he can win. Like he's not, he doesn't personally hate the other side. He takes it personal that anyone might try to beat him in a game of basketball. That's kind of how Jimmy Butler comes across to me. Like, how dare you uh, think that you can come in here and beat me? I will show you. I'll go 35 with a triple double. That's what I will do. So credit to Butler, credit to him that he's got Winhorst and guys like Winhorst writing pieces like this. Now, yeah, I do think this is the kind of piece you want to write if you're ESPN and you want people watching this stuff because the ratings just haven't been what you want them to be for whatever the reason. So you need to generate some interest here because I don't feel like it's there. Those of us that are watching, those of us that sat there and watched Friday night saw something but I feel like we were kind of in the minority. It just seems like most people aren't really paying too close of attention to Lakers heat. I do radio seven days a week right now. Haven't taken a single phone call. Haven't read a single email. Haven't received a single tweet about the NBA finals. Not one. A game seven will watch because game seven can sell itself. And in that case, then the NBA has the audience potentially that they want where Jimmy Butler can look like a star and then the Lakers can still win the game by five. And then you have kind of the perfect deal. You don't want the Lakers to get beat. You don't want LeBron to get beat. You want him to almost get beat to create the hunger to see him get beaten next year. When we come back, who wins, who loses, who got beat last week in terms of the standings of the Jason Martin show crew, as we pick the entire slate and look back on a week ago where I know there were some that I got wrong. I need to figure out exactly how I did and how we all did. We'll talk about all that, and then we'll predict the schedule top to bottom. Always a lot of fun, and we look forward to doing this every single week, and we'll do it next on Fox Sports Radio.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table.
4: Welcome back. Jason Martin show Fox sports radio. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartradio. radio. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. The crew is in Sherman Oaks out in LA. Well, we are all one as are you the audience. As you listen, you can join the family as well. How we do Chris. I know we have a full slate. We have Uh one, two teams off. But how did we do last week in our picks? This is the most fun that we have each week during the NFL season. I I don't know how I did, quite frankly.
3: Well, you actually, so we had 14 games last week. You won. You had 11-3 and is your record. Uh, I was in second at 10-4. and four. Brian Fenley, who's not here tonight, 9-5. and five, And then Eric Roberts at 8-6. and six. Eric, uh, dang. Yeah. I-,
7: I want a bonus point, though, because I was the only one to pick the Lions actually playing a game last week. So maybe a little little style man, point, I'll
3: something. we are giving you, you, know? like, I- we'll I you a like... half a sack
4: for <laughs> yeah, that. Dude, there I, go. I got
3: to feel guys. like Fenley's got to take like a double loss for saying a tie in, in Indianapolis-Chicago. <laughs> Come but on, man. Eric also did take Chicago in that game, too. And Eric also took Detroit. In the New Orleans game. Uh, Losses for Jason were the Dallas game, which uh, Dallas Browns, which granted, we all got that wrong. We all took Dallas. Likewise, we all took San Francisco in the Sunday night football game. We also did not have uh, the Cardinals. Carolina won that game. And I think that's it for your losses. Mm -hmm. I know me and Eric, we had Houston, Minnesota. I told you guys. Yeah, that was a mistake. That was a mistake. Yeah.
4: Maybe they're this rolling week, maybe with this a losing week. record, man. Yeah, they, they may win this week. <laughs> You're right.
3: We, we've all had winning records in here. None of us have had like, a losing record except for an unspeakable week one, which I, I think I, Eric showed me the number one time for that, and I just decided to, to just yeet that one out. Like,
4: just
7: mm. don't need it. Well, you know, it. Finley wasn't around, so you don't want to yeah. any, leave anybody so out. What are we, so what
4: are we doing <laughs> about Finley this week? Is Irvin in, or yeah. are we Do just going to Ralph? Run in? Yeah. yeah. Is Ralph in the studio? Yeah, he's here.
7: He's here. Pop his headphones on. Yeah, he could pay. He can make. Uh, he can make Fenley's you picks for him. Want to take picks, Ralph? Sure. So right. Is family doing some tennis or something tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. Jip us for some. I figured tennis it probably it was. Energies. Football right. man, come on.
4: Yeah, man, it's football season. You you, you put the felt ball away. All <laughs> right, week five, NFL, Carolina at Atlanta. Woo boy, that's an exciting matchup, is it not? Two combined wins out of six games. Panthers still no Christian McCaffrey. I do not believe Falcons winless. It's at Atlanta. I did a topic about how Dan Quinn should be fired, right? So I'm actually going to take the visiting team. With Mike Davis as a lead back, I think Carolina still beats Atlanta because it just ain't going to get good down there until Dan Quinn's gone.
3: I I believe so much in Teddy Bridgewater. I like him for Carolina. Mm-hmm. And yet every game I've watched the Falcons in, they it's been – They've been close in a lot of games. That it just it's it's taken unspeakable awful acts. And I guess my question is: for them to collapse, it would take someone. It would take an, a, a miracle from Teddy Bridgewater to get them to collapse. I don't see it. As much as I love Teddy, I I, I, I don't know. I, I'm waiting to hear Eric's pick, but I, I think I'm I am going to lean on Atlanta here. I'm going to take the Falcons.
7: I think Matt Rule's kind of coaching up this Panthers team. I feel mm-hmm. like they're kind of sneaky good. Um, I took the cardinals last week i don't know if it was it was the west to east thing but they looked real bad i don't know if it was the panthers defense that got them but matt rule i feel like coaching them up and i think they do win and it's going to be coming down it's like does dan quinn fly home with the team or not
4: Mm. he won't be flying it's in atlanta
7: oh that's right never mind then does he ride the bus
4: home or that's right going
3: so he get the taxi cab or you know
4: all right so there you go chris now what are you doing
3: i'm still taking atlanta Oh, (laughs) you know what? I've been on my record before about this. We'll see what Ralph picks. But I've noticed this because I saw like an ESPN uh, prediction, you know, the the college game day guys all taking Texas. And like, I I, I keep telling people if I was a TV producer, I'd force someone to pick the other side just so we don't get these like bars at the bottom where it's all the panels Mm. taking the same team. Someone's got to get the short straw. But, like, this needs to stop where we end up on freezing cold takes because everyone's taking Baltimore over Kansas City or everyone's taking Texas over Oklahoma. Like, come on.
4: Well, I will, t- I will point this note out before we get Ralph's prediction. That is Julio Jones is a game-time decision, has not practiced since Monday. So they're going to try and work him out before the game to see if he can play. Just wanted to throw that out there. All right, Ralph, in for Brian Finley, your prediction.
5: I just look at the coaching. I think Matt Rule is on the ascent, and uh, it's going to be change time real soon in Atlanta, Carolina.
4: There you go. So, so Chris, you the are the person at the bottom if of the you screen. wanted it,
3: <laughs> I'll take it.
5: There Don't you go. It. Las Vegas at
4: Kansas City. Uh, I think the Raiders are a decent enough football team, but they're not the best football team in the league. That is the Kansas City Chiefs' Chiefs win.
3: Yeah, this is uh, – I- to, to go against my point, I'm sure this is going to be a clean sweep here, but warranted, give me Kansas City.
7: Yeah, Patrick Mahomes. It's, it's such a weird – it, there's been such weird news around the Chiefs and stuff, but um, I, I'm going to go with Mahomes and the Chiefs for sure.
5: I think it'll be closer than most think, but it's still going to be the Chiefs. Well,
4: Kansas City has two different modes. One, they blow you out, and two, they're like, wait, what is Justin Herbert doing in position to win this game? It's a little bit strange. Arizona at New York, the Jets – I'll go later here, Chris.
3: I mean, it's a West team coming East, but on the other side, it's the it's the dang Jets. Yeah, and exactly. I, I was getting called out because I was just uh, you know unloading on Sam Darnold. I think during fellas or whatever. But I'm sorry, man. It, I I can't. No, I'm never You'll never get me to take the Jets. I'm taking the Cardinals. Is it bad?
7: Me as a Bills fan wants to take the Jets for a second, just because it's like I feel I feel like Le'Veon Bell and Flacco could possibly catch the Cardinals by surprise, but I just can't bring myself to do it. So I'm going to take Kyler Murray. Maybe they'll rebound, but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe you know the Grizzly vet and Le'Veon Bell catch them, you know, going west to east again on back to back weeks. But I'm going to pick the Cardinals.
3: And I don't, I don't, I think Flacco could do something. But honestly, like the way I hear people talk about Flacco, it's been eight years.
4: Like, uh yeah, he was in Denver, Chris. That's yeah, my I squad. Know. I know all about it. When <laughs> like, they signed him, I'm like, I love John Elway. He's my favorite player ever. Yeah. Fire him. Cardinals and are getting some. I mean, help John Elway.
3: Too.
4: Yeah, yeah. I've got Arizona as well. I don't even have to think about this. The other, the other team on the other side is the Jets. And the last time I checked, Adam Gase is still their coach. So uh I would probably take Iowa State over the Jets right now. Mm-hmm. I'll definitely take Arizona.
5: The one thing that I would point out is that Arizona has been kind of in limbo as the Jets uh, with this COVID thing, and when is this game going to take place, and they're having to travel, but it's the Jets, so I'll still take Arizona.
4: See, there you go. See, he made the case. That's a really good (laughs) argument, but then he made the right decision at the end of it. Philadelphia Mm -hmm. at Pittsburgh. Philly's not very good. Pittsburgh has the best defense maybe in the entire NFL, especially against the run. They're not going to be able to run it. I still don't know how Sunday Night Football happened exactly last week, but I've got the Steelers. I just think they're far better.
3: Yeah, I've got the Steelers as well. We're starting to do that thing again where we're all picking the same side. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know what to do with Philadelphia at this point. I I really don't.
7: Yeah, I'm gonna. It's gonna be interesting to see how Big Ben plays because you know he was he put out a quote. He's like, I'm just getting ramped up, and now I'm dealing with this weird schedule change. So you know him with missing last season and all, but it's I think yeah, Steelers decisively.
5: Yeah, I, I just – I don't like what I see out of Philadelphia. I don't like what I see out of the uh, the coach. I don't like what I see out of the quarterback. We're going to Pittsburgh.
4: Yep. Rams at Washington football team. Chase Young expected to be back. That's good news if you're a Washington fan. But the rest of that team is not very good. The quarterback situation is a disaster. Kyle Allen is QB1. Dwayne Haskins is QB3, I believe. Rams win this game even though I like Washington defensively at times I just think the Rams are too much
3: once again going east to west west to east, yep. west to east. and again I'm picking the Rams I don't feel good about it I almost want to just completely ignore this game at the same time the matchup does nothing for me but as you say that that quarterback depth right now how it's been arranged for Washington I don't know what's going on there
4: See, I'd say it's probably an ugly game because on the yeah. on the old body clock, they're playing at 10 a.m. Basically, the Rams are, but at the same time, yeah, uh, the Ra- they don't have a quarterback. I, I mean, I, the Washington I, thing's a disaster right now.
3: I will also say this about the Rams: this is their third trip coming west to east this season, so maybe they're used to it by now. Maybe they, so. They came, they played at Eagles, and then they played at Bills. They lost the Bills game, but they won the Eagles game. So okay, yeah.
4: there you go. Yeah,
3: I'm gonna pick the Rams. Do you guys think we see Alex Smith tomorrow?
4: Uh, before we see Dwayne Haskins, I bet we see Alex. Yeah, Smith. I feel
7: that too. But I was talking to a buddy, and I'm like, dude, I don't. I think we see Alex Smith at some point tomorrow. Maybe second half. Because I mean, I don't have faith in Kyle Allen at all. And you know that's I mean Alex Smith is the big comeback story of the year. Obviously. Yeah, if you obviously. see
4: Alex Smith tomorrow, then you're going to see him for the rest of the year. Yeah,
7: that's why. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming at some point he will be the starter this year. But I'm like at tomorrow, I wouldn't be surprised if he's ending the game as under, at under center, you know, for the Washington football team.
4: Although I don't know if I want his debut coming
5: back from an injury to be against Running Aaron Donald. For, yeah,
7: Aaron Donald. Yeah, welcome back,
4: Ralph.
5: Going west to east always tr- tricky for timing quarterbacks and receivers with the early start. The Rams are going to try to pound the ball, and they'll do so. Rams over Washington.
4: Timing quarterbacks and receivers, those are things that Washington doesn't have even playing at home. Cincinnati at Baltimore. Man, do I want to pick this upset, but I've seen that offensive line for Cincinnati. I love Joe Burrow, and and I think they're going to surprise some people. I just don't think the Ravens are one of them. I think this is a game where Baltimore wins big, as they should.
3: So, if this was a I, the spread for this one is a, a, around like two touchdowns, I think some of our friends at straight out of Vegas were talking about. It's a pretty good bet with uh, Cincinnati with the points, but straight up, I'm not brave enough to take that. I'll take I'll take Baltimore. Cognizant also as I am though, even still knowing that Cincinnati has now seen them, I think a couple times, and that the Ravens probably have more holes to them than, than we think. But uh, I, th- I think Baltimore wins this. Yeah, it, I think it's going to be a,
7: a fun game. You know, I've really l- enjoyed watching Joe Burrow here in the, the first couple games of his career. I don't know if you guys saw the video that's going around. He was mic'd up last week, and he's learning how to slide, basically. And <laughs> he looks so awkward, and he's like, yeah, I'm trying to stick around the league. It'll be. It's just fun. I know he's running for his life in a lot of these situations, which isn't, which isn't great. But it's just fun to watch him play. And when was the last time we said that about a Bengal, But... Um, The Ravens will win this, but I'll probably pay more attention than I've paid attention to a Ravens-Bengals game in a very long time tomorrow.
4: I would imagine the last time we said it about a Bengal, it involved Carol Baskin or Joe Exotic. (laughs) All right, Ralph.
5: 11, 12, 12 and a half, that's the spread. Baltimore is going to cover that spread. It's not going to be worth your attention. You're going to tune it out quick because Joe Burrow is going to look probably the worst he's looked so far in the NFL.
4: Well, that offensive line dealing with that martindale defense and you may be right jacksonville at houston here we go jacksonville has a win the texans do not but the texans may have actually won a couple of games by not playing just because they lost their head coach now that bill o'brien's gone new lease on life romeo cornell in is your interim i think they're more talented than jacksonville it's at houston they have to win sometime I think the Texans rally around all the craziness and win this football game.
3: Eric, you go, you yeah, go
4: me,
7: here. me betting on Deshaun Watson eventually has to pay off this year, so I'm going to bet on Deshaun Watson again. And like you said, I think it's a it was a very, obviously uh, um, a franchise-shaking week over there, and I think they're going to rally around J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson. They have leaders, and it's one of those things where why hasn't it come together? And maybe it was Bill O'Brien, so I, yeah, I see a win against the very lackluster Jaguars this week.
3: I'm still I'm still sitting here like wow like as much as because as much as I wanna take like these are two really bad teams, man. And as much as I wanna take the Texans here, as much as I wanna take that feel good story, I just think the malaise is gonna continue. It's Jacksonville. I know they've looked awful as well, but I can't I, once again, like I'm looking I'm just looking at all our games and once gonna be picked every side. So once again I'll be the sacrificial here. I think I'm going to take Jacksonville because I feel good about them right
5: now. All right. I have been a part of an organization going on the road to a team whose coach was just fired, and you know you're better than them. And every time, you lose. Yeah, I'm taking Houston. Miami. At San Francisco,
4: it will not be Tua's first start. Brian Flores says he will not be bullied or rushed into starting Tua, so... Okie dokie. San Francisco starting to get some of its guys back. I think Mostert is questionable. I don't know what you can expect from him, but McKinnon has been decent in his stead. Kittle's back out there. The quarterback spot, I still don't think there's that much difference regardless of who is out there. And you saw Bethard actually played well when he came in for Mullins on Sunday, and Mullins doesn't look that far off from Jimmy G to me. I think it's all sort of average out there. So I don't know, honestly, this is the kind of game Miami probably can win, but I don't think they will. I'll take San Francisco.
3: No, I think Miami wins this game. As, as much as I am not a believer in Ryan, in Ryan Fitzpatrick, San Francisco's still giving me nothing to really believe in. Like I get that they're healthy, but watching Nick Mullins, I'm still shocked they won that that game the other week against uh, against Philadelphia. I'm just it, it boggles me that any of that happens. I've got to take Miami here. I just think they're the more put-together team.
7: I'm going to take Miami, too. I feel like we're still in that Fitz Magic window where he can put together a win and grab a win where he shouldn't. So I think that's tomorrow, and then we see the drop, and the Tua era start very soon after this week. But, yeah, Dolphins over 49ers.
5: Okay. Fitz Magic expires at the end of September, and uh, <laughs> one thing that we've learned is that Kyle Shanahan is teaching the San Francisco team Had to win some tough games. I think they'll win on the road.
4: All right, let's get one more. Indianapolis at Cleveland before the update. Interesting matchup here because the Browns look pretty good. Indianapolis looks pretty good. This is probably a close football game. Regardless, do I have the guts to take the Browns? I just feel like you're doing it wrong if you take the Browns. I'll I'll still take Phillip Rivers and the Colts.
3: Yeah, I'm still taking the Colts too.
7: I'm going to take the Browns. I think Phillip Rivers is going to have a tough day against the Colts de- or the the Browns defense tomorrow. I think uh, Miles Garrett's going to get to him a
5: couple times. It's always a bad day if I'm choosing Philip Rivers. I'll take Cleveland.
4: <laughs> Yikes! All right, Ralph, how about we take a sports update and find out what's trending?
5: Well, we can absolutely do that, Uh, and it was a good day for the Clemson Tigers, number one team in college football. They have their first test of the season, and they passed with flying colors, beating number seven Miami 42-27 Trevor Lawrence, 332 yards of total offense. And four touchdowns. Number two, Alabama scored early, often, and repeatedly over Ole Miss, 63 48. Nick Saban, 21 0 against his former assistants. Mac Jones at quarterback, 417 yards in the air. Najee Harris ran for 209. A lot of offense in that game. Number three, Georgia. Well, they ran for 193 yards and gave up. Well, negative one to number 14, Tennessee. The Bulldogs win it 44-21 next week. Bama and Georgia will face off. Number 21, Texas A&M, a 41-38 win over number four, Florida, handing the Gators their first loss. First home win versus a top five team for A&M since 2002. Notre Dame, 353 yards on the ground. They Dominate Florida State 42 to 26, and a big win for North Carolina. They ran for 399 yards over number 19 Virginia Tech 56 45. Missouri Surprise, number 17 LSU 45 41. Oklahoma outlasted number 22 Texas 53 45 in four overtimes, making our way towards the final of the French Open. Number one seed Novak Djokovic versus number two seed. Rafael Nadal, and we were talking about everything going on in the NFL. Reportedly, a Chief strength coach has tested positive for coronavirus, according to Adam Schefter. That said, the Chiefs Raiders game still a go for today in Kansas City as we send it right back to Jason Martin.
4: Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. Easy to save. 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. When you heard all those rushing totals from all those college football games this afternoon, how do you feel if you're Mike Leach and you're known for putting up 1,000 yards and you scored two points on Kentucky? on a day when there's multiple teams going for 50. I, f- I feel like you and have
7: to he- try to do that. That's Seriously. so. I, that's so hard to do. I, you have to avoid scoring points to do that. I'd, I saw that score and I watched most of the game, and it's like, I don't understand how you could just put up two points and not stumble into a field goal somewhere.
4: I mean, this is Mike Leach. And then afterwards, he's like, we got to find out who wants to play here. We need to get rid of Malcontent's, because he doesn't even understand it. He's like, how did we even do that? Like You would, you really would almost have to go out of your way to do that. But if you looked at all the points that were being scored, and the yards that were being totaled up on Saturday, and Mike Leach was not a part of it, man, how do you miss that party? How does the Air Raid completely miss that party against Kentucky? They weren't even playing like Alabama who of course gave up 48 to Lane Kiffin. But Leach got a safety. And that was it. That's 2020 right there. Nothing else explains that. Nothing at all explains that. Let's get to break now because we got one, two, three, four, five games still to pick. Let's save ourselves some time. So we will finish up our NFL schedule. You can tweet me at Jmart Radio. A lot of you have been doing that tonight. I appreciate all of that coming in, all of your thoughts. Sometimes you make me smarter. Oftentimes, actually, you make me much smarter and make me think about things that. I had not otherwise done so keep that up we'll be back in five minutes and we'll pick the last five games see how that works Fox Sports Radio Mm -hmm. welcome back Fox Sports Radio studios brought to you by Geico Jason Martin show we're finishing up another good one another fun one Fox Football Sunday next across many of these same Fox Sports Radio stations those guys do a great job Usually on my drive home, I am started wobbling because I'm so tired and haven't slept in over 24 hours. And usually it's Andy Furman that keeps me from just passing out. Because when he says, wake up, America, I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm being yelled at. But it keeps me from passing away on the road, so I appreciate that. All right, we got five games to get to. Let's get to those right now. New York at Dallas. Woo, boy. So the cowboys gonna to get to win a second game because the giants sure aren't gonna beat them dak prescott's throwing a ton of yards a lot of them coming in losses that craziness last week with the browns i that was something else that was fun to just be sitting there and watching but dallas will win this one they won't have to come back new york's terrible i'll take the cowboys easily in this game
3: i don't know about easily but they are at, they are the home team i'll take dallas here I, I can't think of a more disappointing team in the first in the first four games than Dallas, so if they don't pick up this win, real big problems, but I think their back is against the wall. I'll take the Cowboys. Right,
7: I'm going to take the Cowboys too, um, but wouldn't it just be an NFC East thing to happen if the Giants go into Dallas and win? If it, it, it could only happen, I feel like, in the NFC East, some random stuff like that, just to mix things up a little bit more, but I hope just so we don't have to do this again next week. I hope it's the Cowboys this weekend.
4: Yeah, you're not wrong about that NFC East deal. Is Ralph still with us? Yep,
5: absolutely. Right, and, it's, I mean, this is easy. Dallas, no problem.
4: Yep. Minnesota at Seattle. Interesting here, just because on paper this looks good, then you're like, oh, wait, but Minnesota's not that good. Uh, I do think Jefferson's going to be a star. He is very quickly becoming... Exactly the 1B to Adam Thielen that he needs to be. This 1A, 1B, whichever one you want to like best. I think Jefferson's got a chance in that deal, but they don't have a chance against Russell Wilson. Not right now. You know what Kirk Cousins does in primetime? Nothing. I could have just sat silently for the next five minutes, and you would have probably gotten the point. I'll take Russell Wilson. He's the MVP of the league right now. Him or Mahomes.
3: Yeah, I think we mentioned enough last, last season about Hey, you get uh, you get uh, uh, Kirk Cousins out of that 1 p.m. Eastern window, and all of a sudden, like his routine's thrown off. He's not looking good. I understand that the Vikings probably trending upwards, which is good news for them. But I'm still taking the Seahawks here.
7: Right, I'm driving the DK Metcalf train. I love watching mm-hmm. that guy play, man. I say it every week. Him and Russell Wilson are uh, a one-two punch that are just nasty to watch. Him him on his go routes, and then Russell Wilson the over the throw over the shoulder. You can't handle the ball off better sometimes. So Seahawks over the Vikings.
4: All right. I need Tyler Lockett on my fantasy team to
5: do more, but I like Tyler Lockett as well. All right, Ralph. This is a flawed Minnesota team, and mm-hmm. there's been a little bit of a thing between Minnesota and Seattle in recent years that a lot of people may not have picked up on. I think Seattle's going to take them to the woodshed.
4: Monday. Now it gets interesting. Early start, 5 Eastern time. Denver at New England. A reschedule game due to COVID-19. Denver has, well, you know what they've got. They have more people on injured reserve than they have playing. That's my football team. Patriots win this game. I don't care if Cam Newton plays. I don't care if Stephon Gilmore plays. New England wins.
3: Yeah, I don't even know who the quarterback's going to be, but <laughs> I'm still taking New England. I'm I'm just going to enjoy getting a lunch special from
7: somewhere and watching 2 p.m. football on a Monday, guys. Patriots over the Buncos
3: There you go.
5: I don't like this game at all. <laughs> like, like, I, this is I don't, I don't want to pick a team because I, uh, New England's at home. I'll take New England. They only okay. picked a tie last week. Did work out for them. You're all here, yeah.
4: Then the regular Monday night game is Chargers at Saints. I don't know what to make of the Saints. Looks like Michael Thomas is questionable at best. Justin Herbert. I still like Justin Herbert. But they're banged up a lot as well. I, I don't know, man. This is west to east. I'll take the Saints. I still, I mean, the Saints are my Super Bowl pick. I've got to find team, find games to take them, man. I don't love it, but I'll take New Orleans.
3: Yeah, I, man, I, I feel like I need to s- sit on this one a bit more. I've been shawing back and forth. I know in a bunch of my other sites and a bunch of my other picks, I've taken New Orleans here, but. I feel a little uneasy. I'll see what Eric says first. Yeah, though.
7: I think I'm gonna go upset, guys. I think Chargers are gonna win this one. I don't know why, but the Chargers mm. have been in almost every game. They're, you know, an OT loss to the Chiefs and a hook and ladder away from being a very different record right now and being on the Chiefs' heels in the West. Um, I'm gonna go Justin Herbert an upset here, guys. I don't know why. I just I, that hook I like. and
4: ladder, man. Yeah. You just reminded me of that. Right,
7: Eckler, dude. It's I. It was it that was wide a open. thing
4: of beauty. It was that perfect. Was, that was a walk in walk off. Oh, that was that was painful just it,
7: to relive. It's it sucks, but it's the Chargers, man. They always find ways to lose games. Kind of like the Falcons have been doing, but the Chargers have been doing it for a lot longer. No
3: yeah, doubt. You, you know what? I, I think I gotta give some stock rising with Justin Herbert. So I, I'm gonna go on the Chargers as well now. In years
5: well, that feature a number, the Chargers will play close but lose.
7: <laughs> yeah, well, pretty much. I'd stop accurate.
4: and think about that one for a second, but yeah, that's right. And then Tuesday. My fingers are crossed. I've seen this movie before in Nashville over the last two weeks. Let's keep the negative test rolling so we get this Bills-Titans game in. Uh, Tennessee's missing some guys. I don't know if you knew this. Jeff Simmons, probably the best, if not the second best, defensive player on the team, second year out of Mississippi State. Uh, don't think he's going to play. Three wide receivers, Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys, Cam Batson, probably none of them are going to play. That's just to name a few of the problems that are out there. God, they're just, I don't even know who's going to be on the field for this team here in Nashville on Tuesday night, and I think Buffalo is really, really good, and so I think the Bills win the game.
3: You know how you can make a full sentence out of just the word Buffalo? Buffalo, 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 Buffalo. I don't know how many. My point is I'm taking Buffalo. Okay. Josh Allen, baby, here we go. Buffalo. I love
4: how I love how confident you now sound.
7: I honestly I've I've said this in weeks past. I've as a Buffalo fan, I feel weird and I talk myself out of being confident a lot of weeks, but Buffalo and you just laid it out for me, man. I, I but this would be uh, like I said before, be very Buffalo to lose this game, but Buffalo.
5: To quote Marv Levy, go Bills.
4: <laughs> a Marv Levy reference. That's how we leave you. I'm going to be off next week. I'm going to be in Florida on vacation with my wife. Uh, So somebody will be filling in, and hopefully their win total will not count against mine because, as usual, I will be thundering to another victory. Thanks to the crew. Thanks to all of you. I will talk to you in a couple of weeks. Fox NFL Sunday coming up next.